world that has changed and is continuing to change. And it's, it's challenging for those who believe in Jesus. Uh, the darkness is on the move, but I want to assure you that so is the Lord. And we have a responsibility to Him as His people to be and to build His kingdom. And we can only do that if we're thriving. And that's our theme for 2021, thriving. Let's make sure we understand what that means, what it is. Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God. And the contentment to obey His commands while all the way trusting the outcomes to his capable care. It's knowing and loving and obeying Jesus. And it's being assured of the fact that God is in control and that he's good and that he's working according to his will to accomplish his purpose and nothing can stop God. Right now, this first series, we're talking about thriving in difficult days and to understand how to do that, we are studying the book of Nehemiah. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, why don't you go ahead and turn with me now to the book of Nehemiah there in the Old Testament. When we finished off last week, we were in chapter 1, verse 4. Nehemiah, he was mourning and praying and fasting because he had heard the news that we studied in week 2 of verses 1 through 3, that Israel was in a, in a troubled place. The city of Jerusalem was in danger. If you'll remember, we went back to 2 Chronicles 36 all the way through Ezra, and we talked about how the, the children of God had rejected God. And because of that, they were, they were sent into exile. But God, in, in his providential care, promised after 70 years that he would call the people back a remnant. He promised that through Jeremiah. And through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 44, 28, Isaiah 45, 1, the, the person who would make that happen, Cyrus, was named 150 years before he was born. And so the people had gone back. The, the exiles had gone back to Jerusalem. They had, they had built an altar. So there was a blood sacrifice. So there was atonement for sin. They were saved. There was a temple. The people were gathering. They were worshiping God, but there was no wall. So the people were unprotected. The evil one could evilly come in and destroy them. And this broke the heart of Nehemiah. It moved the heart of Nehemiah. And it, it, it led him to pray. And what we're going to look at today is the contents of Nehemiah's prayer. This, this teaches us, those of us who are thriving, who it is we're to pray to. How we are to pray. What we are to pray. And, and so let's look at this prayer we're in Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. Let's stand together as I read the contents of this prayer. Again, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which... We have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants 
who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. That little tail off uh, there at, at, the, at the end of that section of scripture, it's offset in your text. And, and it tells us a great deal about Nehemiah. He says, I was cupbearer to the king. That says a lot about him. It says, first of all, he was a trusted man. Uh, before the king would drink wine, Nehemiah would first take a sip because if there was any poison, it would kill him first. And so this king had a relationship with Nehemiah. He, he trusted Nehemiah. He probably had a lot of conversations about life with Nehemiah. He, he was also a sophisticated man. It, it took some level of training and understanding of the ways of the world to be in a room with that many powerful people at, at any given moment to, to give response to comments that would be made. He was trained. He was smart. He, he knew what was happening in the world. He was a sophisticated man. He was also a very vulnerable man. He was not the only cupbearer. And the fact of the matter is, if he did anything that displeased the king, he could be jailed or killed. You remember in Genesis, when Joseph was in jail, the cupbearer was sentenced uh, to, to imprisonment and with threat of death. And this was, this was the, this was the you know, uh, job hazard, you may say, might say. You wonder what kind of insurance uh, they had back in those days. None. But it was a vulnerable position. Um, he was also a faithful man. Here he was in exile in a place where the one true God was not praised and worshiped, yet he held to his faith. He knew the word of God. He prayed to the God of the Bible. And he, he knew what he was praying and why. And the last thing is he was a prayerful man. That's one of the things I would encourage you to notice as you read through Nehemiah, as we study it over and over again, you will see Nehemiah praying. Uh, he's praying at major decision points uh, within this tale, within his journey. And what he's praying is, is powerful. And, and you get the sense and you have to know that this is not a prayer that, that's a one-off. This is something he prayed regularly. He spent time in prayer so that when he prayed in these decisive moments, he had confidence in his prayer because prayer was a natural part of his existence in life. This prayer tells us a lot about Nehemiah. This prayer also tells us a lot about those who are thriving. It tells us how we pray. Let's first look at who it is Nehemiah was praying for. Take note of this. This is who thriving people pray to. Thriving people pray to God. Now that seems kind of basic, but let's make sure we understand the God we're talking about here. Nehemiah was praying to the God of the Bible. And he was praying the Bible. Uh, go back real quick and, and read verse 5. Just look at it for just a moment. I want you to really uh, read it and, and look closely at the terms. Those are very important terms. Great and awesome. Covenant. Steadfast love. To those who love him, keep his commandments. This prayer sounds very familiar to other prayers found in the Bible. The prophet Daniel was an exilic prophet. That means that he was in Babylon and he was walking with God and he prayed. Now, he had not yet seen the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. But tradition tells us there was a Jewish historian who who's wrote that it was that it was Daniel 
who read Isaiah 44, 28 and Isaiah 45, 1 to King Cyrus to tell him, God knew you 150 years ago and said that you would send the remnant back to build Jerusalem. And so Daniel was a praying man. He knew his Bible. Look at this prayer. Look at Daniel 9, 4. I'm going to put it on the screen. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Do you see a similarity there? Interestingly, he was praying the prayer that he learned from Moses. This wasn't the first time God had been addressed this way. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Look at this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now, we don't know if Nehemiah was quoting Daniel or Moses. We know that Daniel was certainly quoting Moses, but they were all praying to the God of the Bible. When we talk about praying to God, those who are thriving, we're talking about praying to the God of the Bible. Moses was praying to the God of the Bible. Daniel was praying to the God of the Bible. Nehemiah was praying to the God of the Bible. And those who are thriving... Pray to the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible. Look, look at verse 5 again. Look at this description. He is Lord God of heaven. Now notice the all caps there of the word Lord. Why? Well, our English translators are giving us a hint. That's the word Yahweh. That's the covenant name for the God of the Bible. The Lord God. You'll see that capital G-O-D. That's Elohim. That's a general term for God. The, 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 the writers here are telling us what, what Nehemiah is doing, he's praying to the God of the Bible, the God that, that, that Daniel prayed to, the God that Moses spoke to. This is, this is the God of the Bible, and he is the God, Lord God of heaven. He's sovereign. He's in control. Look at his. He is great and awesome. There's no limit to his power. There's no limit to his knowledge. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's all-present. Friends, he's the Alpha and the Omega. What that means is he's in the future. He's present in the future right now. He's present with us now. And he's at the same time present in the past. That's why you will never walk into any situation where God is not already there. That blows my mind. I don't know what it does for years, but I just had a brain explosion. It didn't hurt me, but I'm feeling it because this is the God of the Bible. He's beyond our comprehension. He's beyond our capacity to understand. How is he there and here and there? Because he's God. He is great and awesome. And look at this. He keeps covenant and steadfast love, but not with everyone. He keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. To those who love him and keep his commandments. What is a disciple of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus is someone who knows him, loves him, and obeys him. Who is it that God God has prayed to? Who who is it that that comes to God? It's those who know him and love him and obey him. The God of the Bible is who Nehemiah was praying for. The God of the Bible is who thriving people pray pray to. And this God does not change. Three quick verses I want you to see. Remember, God does not change. Malachi 3, 6. For I, the Lord, again, do you see the all caps there? What does that mean? It's talking about Yahweh, the God of the Bible. This is the covenant God. 
For the Lord, for I, the Lord God, do not change. Look what James said in New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He does not change. In Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. Friends, the God that spoke, that Moses spoke of and prayed to is the same God that Daniel prayed to, is the same God that Nehemiah prayed to, and is the same God that thriving people pray to. Now that we know who he was praying to, let's look at, let's look at how. Let's look at what was going on in this prayer. Uh, Take note of how Nehemiah prays. Two things, uh, two ways thriving people pray. First, understand this. Thriving people pray to God with humble persistence. Humble persistence. Nehemiah was very humble in this prayer. Look, look how he comes. He, he requests God's ear. There's not, a, there's not a haughty demand here. There's not a, a commanding control element here. This is a humble servant says, be attentive to your ear, your eyes here. See what I'm seeing. He knows. Nehemiah knows it's grace that enables God to hear him. It's grace that enables God to hear us. He reflects uh, and, and refers to himself in a, a very common way. Notice here, he speaks of himself as a servant. One of the things you'll notice, and I want to encourage you to notice, how many times Nehemiah, in this prayer alone, but throughout the book, refers to himself as a servant. He doesn't come and say, hey God, I'm cupbearer to the king. You need to listen to me. Hey God, I'm an educated person. Hey God, I know the Bible. Hey God, I've got Sunday school merit awards, okay? Look, I got membership, all right? You, you need to be listening up to what I'm saying here. That's not what he's doing. He comes humbly. He says, Lord, I'm your servant. Please hear me. And he comes repentant. He renounces his own sin. He confesses his sin. He says, we've acted very corruptly against you. He says, the nation, me, my family, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments, the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Now, how did he know? How did he know that this is what Moses commanded? Because he knew the word of God. (laughs) Those who pray rightly, pray the word of God. And friends, you can't pray scripture if you don't know scripture. We talked about this last week. I want want to remind you again, three things in terms of studying scripture. Friends, you got to have, you got to have a time. When do you study the word? You need to have a place. You know where it's going to be. And, and you need to have a plan. Every, every day after a workout, I come in and there's my dog, Charlie, sitting in my chair. Why? Because he knows my place. He knows the time. He doesn't know the plan because he's lost. He's a sinner. He'll never be saved. But he, he knows. He knows my schedule as his master. He knows where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in my chair at the same time, at the same place, studying God's word. And friends, you got to have more than a plan A. you got to have a plan B. Because listen, there's times my mornings get disrupted. And that's why I love the ESV app. And I get old Max Dupree to read the Bible to me. I know what I'm reading. I know what the scriptures are. Pop in those earbuds, turn on old Max, and he reads my four chapters to me to, to keep me on track so that I can pray scripture, so I can pray to God. 
We've got to have a place. We've got to have a time. We've got to have a plan. But, but please understand, you can have all that. And you can have a vast knowledge of the Word of God. But if you're not righteous, your prayers have no power. James 5.16 says that it's the prayer of the righteous that has power in their prayer. So the, the only way any of us can be made righteous is by grace through faith in Christ alone. We cannot earn righteousness. We can't create a standing of righteousness. We can only receive it. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's because he who knew no sin became sin. Because Jesus, the sinless one, came and he took on our sin and died on that cross for our sin. And on the third day was raised. That we can now become the righteousness of God. Because the death of Jesus paid for our sin. And his resurrection power, having been made alive, he now lives in us. And he gives us his righteousness. And the only way you can receive it is by faith. You can't earn it. Here's what we know. The world is not as it should be. The world that God designed does not exist. It has been broken because of sin, our sin. Our sin has created brokenness. But friends, if we will repent and believe the gospel, the gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins and has been raised. If we will believe that, we can be made righteous and pursue and recover God's design. And a big part of that is praying. Again, Romans 10 now, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Do you know this one? Do you know what will happen if you do that? If you, if you confess in your heart that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what will you be? You will be what? Saved. It is only the redeemed of God, the saved of God who are made righteous. It is they who know, love, and obey Jesus, the commands of God. And he hears us. Nehemiah came before God humbly in light of the grace of God. It is only the grace of God that, that any of us can gain access to God. But notice, it wasn't just humbly. It was persistence. He, he, he prayed I, humbly and persistent. Look at this. And you might want to underline this. I now pray before you day and night. And you might make note in the, in the column there. He prayed for four months. Th those dates that, that are listed there tell us he prayed for four months. Imagine if you started praying for something today. And you continued February, March, April, May. Imagine that you're praying all the way until the beginning of the summer. And you continue to pray the same prayer. Friends, that's persistence. We must Pray until we get an answer. You know, it says so much about, about Nehemiah, his passion for God and his people, his belief in the goodness of God, his hope in the purpose of God. The way he approached God is crucial. Jesus talked about this. He, he told us, listen, you've got to come humbly and persistently. We are to approach God humbly like a tax collector, not a Pharisee. Great story Jesus told in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners and unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. 
But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, this tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I remember I I preached this text almost 23 years ago. And and when I preached it... um, raised a few eyebrows because when I was talking about um, the, the Pharisee, I, I sang a, a part of the song, Mr. Big Stuff. You know that one? Oh, yeah. How many of y'all know Mr. Big Stuff? All right. So I sang part of that to talk about uh, the, the, the Pharisee. And then to, to do the, the tax collector, I, I, I sang, uh, what was it? Uh, Desperado. <laughs> How many of you guys know that one? Desperado. Now that I've said those songs are going to be in the, your head the rest of the day, you're welcome. It was funny. Sometime after that, I was in an airport, and this guy walks up to me and says, Mr. Big Stuff. I was like, do I know you? He said, oh, Pastor Jason, I'm sorry. He said, I still remember that sermon you preached about Desperado and Mr. Big Stuff. Man, that was good stuff. So hopefully, every time you read this text, you'll think about those songs. And every time you hear those songs, you'll remember this text. Remember. Who is it that God hears the prayer of? He hears the prayer of the desperate, of the humble. Friends, if we won't discipline ourselves to be desperate, and by that I mean, if we will not allow our hearts to be broken for the brokenness around us, here's what God will do for us. He'll break us. He'll make us desperate. If we will not discipline ourselves to be a prayerful people, here's what God will do for us. He'll make us pray. He'll put us in such a predicament that we have no alternative but to pray. Friends, discipline yourselves to pray. Let your heart be broken for the lostness of our world. Let yourself care and be concerned and pray. Pray humbly and then pray with persistence. Persistently like a widow needing justice. Another great story right there in Luke 18. Beginning in verse 1, and he, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And and will not God, God of the Bible, will not God give justice to his elect, to those who know, love, and obey Jesus, who cry to him? Now look at how they are to cry. Day and night. How is Nehemiah praying? Day and night. Will he delay long over them? I I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? Oh, friends, let it be said that at Living Hope, God found that kind of faith. Pray till you get an answer. Keep praying until you get an answer. Pray persistently. It reminds me of this child. Mom and dad had gone to bed. Children were all in bed. And one child yells out, Daddy, I'm thirsty. Bring me a cup of water. Dad said, no, child, you don't need water. Go to sleep. Daddy, please bring me a cup of water. No, 
go to sleep. This continues on. So finally the dad says, child, if you ask again, I'm going to come in there and spank you. And the child says, daddy, when you come to spank me, will you bring me a drink of water? See, that's persistence. God wants us to keep coming to him, keep coming to him until we get an answer. Keep praying. Oh, let's make sure that Jesus finds that kind of faith at living hope. People who are praying with humble persistence. The second thing to take note of is this. Thriving people pray to God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh. They pray with biblical hope. Nehemiah had biblical hope because he had a biblical strategy for prayer. I want to I unpack his strategy. And I want to challenge us to use it. All right, you got to do this verse by verse. So, so stick with me here. First of all, notice Nehemiah is praying God's work back to him. So, so look, at the, look at verse 8. Look what he says in the prayer. He's saying, God, remember the word that you commanded. He said, remember what you said in the Bible? Remember what you already said through Moses? Verse 9, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your though you're outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven from there, I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. What Nehemiah is doing, and here's what we need to do. This is smart. He's praying for what God said he would already do. Friends, pray the promises of God. The only way you can know the promises of God is if you study the promises of God. Every single day, I open the Word of God and I read four chapters and I see promise after promise after promise and I write in my prayer journal, give praising to God for the promises that I find there. Many times I post them on, on social, the, the social media because again, God's speaking to me. I'm hoping He will speak to you. Friends, let God speak to you. His Word is spoken and, and, uh, and then pray that Word back to Him. Nehemiah is praying Scripture. He's also praying for God's glory. Look what he says in verse 10. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Here's what Nehemiah is saying. He said, God, they're your people. And they reflect directly on you. And if they continue to flounder, that reflects on your glory. He's saying, God, do this for your glory. Make sure that when you pray, that what you're praying for brings glory to God. Third, Nehemiah is asking God to listen, not just to him, but to others as well. Look at verse 11. Oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Again, the righteous prayer, the prayer of a righteous person is, has power, James 5, 16. But there is a, there's an even greater power. It's revealed in Acts 4, 16. Go back and read that, I'm sorry, Acts 4, 31. It says that when the people were there praying together, the place was shaken. There was power in it. Pray together. Pray out loud together. Fourth thing is Nehemiah was specific. Oh, this is so important, friends. Make sure you get this. His prayer was specific. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Nehemiah already had in mind that that he was supposed to go back to Jerusalem and build those walls. He already had it in his heart and mind. Now, he knew that he needed the king not only to give permission, but to give resources. He knew the journey was dangerous. He knew the work would be dangerous. There would need to be legal support. And so what's he doing? He's praying very specifically. 
God, grant me success in the sight of this man. Make this king's heart be moved. Friends, this is the prayer strategy of thriving people. Don't miss it. We pray God's word. We pray God's word. We, we say to God, God, this is what you said you're going to do. Do what you said you're going to do. This is your desire. This is what you want. I'm praying what you want. Secondly, make sure that what you're praying will give God glory. James also says in that section on prayer that God does not answer the request when it's, when it's just for our glory, when it's just for our selfish desires. He says, no, no, no. When we pray for God's glory to be revealed in it, we can know there'll be success. Friends, you need to know in your heart and mind how God will receive glory if he were to answer your prayer. Make sure before you pray, it's very clear to you how God is going to be glorified in this. Not you, not your team, (laughs) not your school, not your nation, not your God. How God will be glorified. Get it straight in your heart, in your head. Pray it from your heart. Pray God's word. Pray for God's glory. And pray with others. Get other people to join in with you. And, and, and I pray for many of you. My, my prayer request list, I'm finding it very difficult to have the, a time allotted to, to pray for all the needs. That's okay. God knows. Sometimes I just say, God, you know, page two. <laughs> and then I have to, have to hustle on to the, to the next thing. God knows. But listen, you, you got to pray for each other. That's why, guys, Thursday morning we're going to get together. Again, get, get, get on the website. Get reserved. We got to have men praying with men. Ladies going to be with you guys Friday night. We need women praying. We need to be there to encourage one another, to talk to each other about what's going on. You got it. You need this. People need you. Men, there are men who need you. Ladies, there are ladies who need you. This is what it means to be a church, that, we, that we're there for each other, praying for one another, praying with one another. And, and then last, be, be specific. Here's what I mean by that. If God could answer your prayer and you not know it, you've not prayed specific. Lord bless us. Okay, (laughs) I think he has. Is that it? No, no, be specific. What particular blessing does your family need? Do Do you need health? Do you need resources? Do you need peace? Do you need reconciliation? Do you need strength? What do you need? Be specific. Speak to how it will provide God glory. Speak to how you are his child and you're dependent upon him. Speak biblically. Go to the promises of God. Speak his promises back to him and be specific so that when God answers your prayer, you can give God praise. and You can say, the Lord has answered my plea. Be specific. Friends, this only happens if you're thriving. Are you thriving? Thriving is is having the confidence to be intimate with God and, and the contentment to obey God's command while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. Are you thriving? Or are you anxious and scared and angry and bitter? Are you apathetic? 
Are, are you interested in the things of this world so you don't need to pray? Is that what's happening to you? Friends, God is calling us to be a thriving people. Are you thriving? I know you can only be a thriving person if you're saved. And I know you can only be a thriving person if you're walking in his way, seeking his will, humbling yourself persistently to seek his face. Pray. Let's pray together. Father God, I know there's some here they're not thriving because they're not saved. And I pray that right now they will confess with their mouth that you are Lord and believe in their heart that not only did you die on the cross, but that you have been raised and that they believe that and that they will be saved. And if you need to tell the Lord that right now, if you need to be saved, tell him your sin, tell him you're sorry, ask for his forgiveness, receive his life into your life and be made righteous right now. If you are a redeemed child of God, are you praying? I mean, are you, are you praying like a thriving person? If you're not, repent of that right now. Renew your faith commitment to Christ. Child of God, what need do you have? Right now, Talk to God in the quietness. Let me lead you through this. In the quietness right now, tell God your need. Tell him that you're his child and that you're, you're dependent upon him. And if he will answer, it will give him glory. Ask very specifically how that need can be met. Promise to give him praise promise to say it was God boldly to the world God you have saved us to be a praying people thriving people are praying people Lord we, we come to you asking that you would be glorified in us that we would know and pray your word, that we would ask according to your will, that we would come in the name of Jesus in grace, humbly, persistently, asking you to do what you've promised to do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.